Thanks for tuning in to the Glenridge Church message. Our mission is to love God, love people, and live to change the world. If we can help you in any way at all, feel free to reach out to us on hello at glenridge.org.za. Friends, we are continuing to to build along, talk along, work along. Um, This idea of us being rebuilders and restorers, of us being priests and ministers, of us being shepherds and harvesters, of us those that actually see the harvesters ripe and participating in what God is wanting to do over this time. And uh, Raymond and Kath are going to be doing um, some training over the over four weeks around the narrative of God, around the story of God. And so what I wanted to do this morning is I wanted to kind of get us thinking a little bit around the story of God and kind of just get us excited about learning what Raymond and Kath are going to talk about over the next four weeks. And um, it is absolutely so important that we understand what the gospel is. And when we say, even say the word gospel, what do we mean by that? What does that mean? And uh, otherwise, what we've got in danger of doing is living in a reduced gospel with a reduced Jesus and living not powerful, influencing lives, but actually diminished, kind of inward-looking, navel-gazing lives. And that is not the story that God has for his people and this community, his church. So... I want to start this off with this this story, 490 BC, uh, possibly August or September, 25,000 Persians under King Darius' generals landed on the Greek plain of Marathon, and a massive battle ensued there. The Greeks were completely outgunned. They were overwhelmed by the numbers of the, of, the, of the force against them, but somehow cunningly won the battle. And a, mass, a messenger, I'm not even going to try, and his name is Pheopides, I think, if it's, spelled, if it's pronounced properly, ran about 25 miles, which is about 42 k's, um, which is where we get our marathon from, from Marathon to, to Athens to announce the good news the evangelion, it's the, it's the same word that we use for gospel and good news. When we say evangelize, it's the same word of the defeat of the Persians. And so what we have there is we have a word that is, gets used in everyday Greek language, like the good news, like bringing the good news, bringing the, the gospel, bringing this uh, announcement to a victory of a victory, um, the defeat of the Persians, the unlikely defeat of the Persians at the hand of the Greeks. And he does this run and he comes to them. And, and the story goes, the, the kind of it's the story goes that he actually died after um, having such a long run and kind of exhaustion, but giving the, 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 the testimony or giving the story that actually we've won the battle. And the story of how beautiful are the feet of those that bring the good news. You could see by the messenger they were running, the way they were running, whether they had good news or bad news. And so there was, there's all these kind of images that we have in the scriptures. But the big idea is this, is that the word gospel is the good news of a victory. It's the announcement of a victory. That's what good news meant but to, the, to, the, to those that would understand Greek at that time. 
And so when we talk about the good news of Jesus Christ, we talk about the good news that Jesus is King and Lord of all, that Jesus has won the victory and he is Lord. And so actually, this, is, this actually is what the good news is. The good news is not that you are going to heaven. The good news is, is Jesus is Lord, and because Jesus is Lord, he redeems, he forgives, and we get to go to heaven. And this is so, so important if we understand, if we want to be, live significant lives as rebuilders, restorers, priests and ministers, and shepherds and harvesters. So I want to look at a story, and I've, I've actually used this story around what I'm talking about this, this morning before. I want to look at Luke chapter 24, around two men that were on their way to Emmaus, being very disappointed and very, very dejected because their hero, the one that they thought was going to win, the one that they thought was all their hope was in, had just died. And his name was Jesus. And I want to read that story because actually what you start to pick up with these two men is that they've misunderstood this, they've misinterpreted the story. And so according to their story, they've lost, but actually according to God's story, they've won, but they don't know it. And it takes Jesus walking alongside them, coming alongside them to reveal to them the truth of the story that has actually been won. Friends, we've got to make sure that we understand the story we are part of. Leslie Newbegin says this, before I get to the, to the scriptures, the way we understand human life depends on what conception we have of the human story. What is the real story of which my, part, my life is a part? What is the real story your life is a part? There's all sorts of stories. And I'm going to get into this. We're, uh, there's a guy by the name of Jonas Sachs wrote a book called Winning the Story Wars. And the subtext for the book is live the best stories will rule the future. So there's all these stories that are around us. There's conspiracy theories. There's COVID stories. There's political stories. There's all sorts of stories around us. And the story that we believe, but not just believe, begin to live out our prophetically begin to actually take hold of where it shapes our lives becomes the story which we tell the world and we've got all these competing stories friends it's so important that we know the story we're part of so that we can live this out and Raymond and Kath are going to do an outstanding outstanding job of, and I really want to I would love the whole church to listen to what they've got to say because actually what they got to say is they are they are telling you how you and your life participates in the big story of God, which is the gospel, which is the good news. If you, if you listen to this and you take it on board and you, and you understand it, and it takes some time to, to grasp the, the kind of narrative understanding of the Bible, because we've so kind of lived in a, you cross the fire insurance, go to heaven, and you're done. But actually, that's not the story that God wants to tell. It's a, it's a much bigger story, and I'm getting... Um, Distracted here. John Tyson says this, narratives create our norms. Narratives create our norms. Your normal, and everybody's talking about a new normal, will either be determined by a kingdom of God story, narrative, or it will be determined by a COVID-19 pandemic story or every, any other thing in between. 
You are, there's just stories around us. Friends, we have a story that is the true story of God and His plan for redemption and reconciliation and forgiveness and rebuilding and restoring and us being priests and ministers and us being harvesters at this time. That's the story that God's saying. Actually, I'm going to carry on with this little part. I was going to do this after my text. Edward Bernays, I got this from John Tyson as well. I don't know if anybody's heard of that name. He is the father of public relations. He's known as the father of public relations. He wrote a book in 1928 called Propaganda. And in this book, he talks about engineering the consent of people. So in other words, so telling a story that is kind of subconsciously written that actually people begin to live, change their buying patterns, change the way they live, change the way they operate. And I'm trying to make this point because you can kind of think cheaper, Stan, this leads to conspiracy theories. But I'm trying to make the point that the story you live, and the problem is we don't think we're living a story. We all live a story. We get born into a story. And that might be a story where you've got a single parent or an alcoholic dad or, a, or, a, or, you've got, or you're an orphan, or you get born into a story with a mom and dad with a, with a defective marriage, or you get born into a poverty story, or you get born into a silver spoon rich story, a, a kind of wealthy story. All of us get born into a story, and we assimilate the story that we're born into. When we give our lives to Jesus, we are meant to find the King of kings and Lord of lords and begin to shape our story about his lordship and kingship, kingship which is the gospel. And so Edward Barnes came up with this theory, and he began to work for all sorts of government agencies. And I want to tell you two stories, which is so informative. Why do we think, and you can, if you can go onto YouTube and, and Google Edward Barnes, and you see there's three or four great little uh, 12 or 15-minute um, clips around what he did and how he did it. But just two quick stories. Why do you think bacon and eggs... Is such, a big, uh, is such the thing. When you think of breakfast, what do you think of? Bacon and eggs. Bacon and eggs. Now we're going healthy, we're thinking of oats and, oats and milk and whatever. But bacon and eggs was, do you know how bacon and eggs got to be the breakfast? Edward Barnes. He worked for a bacon company. And he, and he wanted to tell the story, not to tell people to eat bacon and egg, but he told the story or sold the story that actually... What you need to have, it's healthy to have a hearty breakfast. And so he got doctors beginning to talk about how a hearty breakfast is the, is the breakfast of champions and started to shift the mindset of people that actually bacon and eggs is a hearty breakfast. Now we've got all sorts of other health reasons why bacon is maybe not good for you and, or, or whatever else, whatever plan, non-carb, keto version of that you're on. But the whole idea that I'm trying to make is that he, they spun the story that now we don't, we, when you go to Wimpy, it's bacon and eggs. The Wimpy breakfast is bacon and eggs. It's kind of, and with its, all its kind of bits and pieces. There was also the story that Edward Barnes began to, to, to tell of Lucky Struck, which was a tobacco company. So he worked for the Tobacco Corporation of America, whatever it was. And they noticed that only half the population was smoking. They needed to get women smoking so that they could increase the number of cigarettes they, they sold. You know what they did? They started a narrative 
that if women truly wanted to be liberation, they would carry on them the torches of freedom called a cigarette. Instantly, women taking cigarettes would increase. They also told this story, that actually the, the perfect body is a slimline body, is a, the shape of a woman's body, and if you want to have that body, don't eat. When you, instead of t reaching for food, reach for a cigarette. Freedom and looks got women smoking cigarettes, like, so that literally that doubled and became, and it became a fashionable thing for women to smoke cigarettes. Friends, these are the stories, and we think that we're living in a life, we're living our lives kind of devoid from the, the, the currents of the stories around us. Friends, they constantly impinge on our lives and constantly are directing us and constantly are telling what's good and what's bad. And if we live according to that story, we will be those that are tossed backwards and forwards, forwards around all sorts of teachings and winds of doctrine instead of taking hold of the story that is God's story for our lives and beginning to live that out. We are wanting to be rebuilders and restorers of the story and participate in partnership with God in the stories of his redemption and his processes in our lives. Luke chapter 24. This is what it says. Now, verse 13. Now, the same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about 11 kilometers from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about what, what had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. So they're talking and Jesus comes alongside them and they don't recognize who he is. He asks them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood, they stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, called Cleopas, asked him, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem? And do you not know the things that have happened in these days? But where have you been? Have you been living under a rock? Do you not know what's going on here? What things, Jesus asked, about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and the elders handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped, but we had hoped. This is the thing, I've got that circled in my Bible. We had hoped. You see, the problem is, is when you are not living the story, that you don't recognize the story, you don't participate in the story. We live with this thing of we had hoped. We had hoped that if we just gave our lives to Jesus, then everything would be okay. And we're not called to live by, by that kind of hope. We, we're called to live by a faith that breeds hope. It's faith in the story of God that announces hope to our hearts and puts hope before us as we walk with him. We, but we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. You see, in their minds, their story was a military commander that was going to come and vanquish Rome. But actually, God's story was not one of military victory. It was one of a man giving his life in love on a cross to die for one another, to suffer for humanity, that they would be reconciled to their Father in heaven. 
And what is more, it is the third day and since this all, and since this all took place. In addition, some of our women are amazed, amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they'd seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said. But him they did not see. Now they're even more confused. Not only is Jesus dead, Jesus is missing. Somebody's stolen his body. You see, they, they, they're now getting sucked into another story. Where what, okay, he's dead. That's one thing our hero died and, and didn't live. But now his body's missing. Conspiracy theory. What's happening here? He said to them, this is Jesus. Jesus said to them, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. How foolish and how slow of heart to believe the story that God is telling. You see, God begins to tell the story and the prophets announce that story and the prophets confirm that story and the prophets direct that story. In the whole of the Old Testament, in Israel, the story is embodied in Abraham. The story is then moved into Israel and, and Israel begins to, is meant to tell the story and the prophets are there to remind Israel, Israel, you're not telling the story that the Father told you to tell. Come back to him. Your hearts are drifting from him. You're missing the story. You are there to be a light to the the nations you are there to be the ones that are announcing good news to the nations and you are becoming like the nations instead of the nations becoming like you how foolish and these guys are exactly the same how foolish and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken you haven't seen the prophets you've you've kind of taken a surface look at this and you haven't seen in fact perhaps maybe there's a big jewish national nationalistic view of the story and you haven't seen Jesus for who he really is friends this is how we often live our lives foolish and slow of heart to know the story friends can I just say please stop believing in the mark of the beast and 666 flip guys we are part of a God story not a human story. Don't be slow of heart and foolish and, um, and slow of heart and foolish in these things. We are believing a God story. God's story is the preeminent story. That is the true story. All these are competing and distractions from the God story. The church live out the God story. The one where Jesus is king and we love and we serve that story into being by embodying it in our lives. Not coming up with all sorts of theories and fear-mongering and all sorts of rubbish, friends. Sometimes I hear the church and I'm embarrassed for the church. I think if this is the bride of Jesus, the victorious Christ that defeated death, and we are living in these little side alleys and getting caught up, and maybe we've got to do a better job at teaching about what those things actually mean. I can't get there now. Did not the Christ have these things and then enter his glory? He says to him, you remember the prophet said, the suffering prophet. Do you remember he was going to suffer and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what he was said and all the scriptures concerning himself. That's what Raymond and Catholic are going to do. They're going to tell you the story. They're going to begin with Moses, the beginning of the thing, and begin to tell you the story and unpack the story and pull the story together so that you can understand what the scriptures say about Jesus.
the hero of the story, the one of the story that is the... Friends, because Jesus rose from the dead, the story is not only true, but the story is empowered. The story gives the church what they've never, ever had before in the history of God's people. The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, guarding and moving and continuing the work that Jesus began to do, which was what he did in living out the story of his Father. The story we live, friends, is so important. Are we, have we, con- coming to Jesus, making a decision to, to, to follow Jesus is one thing. But converting our lives to the story of God is another. It's like a disciple, friends, is somebody that follows Jesus into that story. It, a disciple is somebody that, that follows Jesus and understands that story and embodies that story and demonstrates that story and announces that story. And it's a story where he gets glory. It's a story where the father gets praised and we become a display of his splendor. That's the story that we are telling. And he is wanting that story to come over all the earth, his glory to cover all the earth. And for all peoples, all humanity to come into that story so that we can continually continue to live that story for eternity with him when he comes again. Friends, this is so, so important. And what we do is we reduce our lives to what these guys did. Well, I read this this morning. He says, and he was a prophet, powerful in word and deed. If you only see Jesus as a prophet, as powerful as in word and deed, we live in a reduced gospel. He is a prophet who is powerful in word and deed. But not just that. I wrote this this morning. If we, if we can never... If we, if we don't see Jesus as the hero of the story that God's telling, of which we participate and part in, friends, the story that God's telling is millennia old. It doesn't center around us and my life and my story. We play a part in that story that he is telling. We play that part in that story that he is telling. We, it's not centered, our, this generation is not the center of God's purpose in the story of God. Every generation plays its part and we get to play our part in the middle of a pandemic and tell the story of God through this process. If we only see God, Jesus, as a, as a prophet who's powerful in word and deed, it's like then we want to become friends with this powerful guy so that we can leverage that relationship for our benefit. So often the church does that. So we do signs and wonders and they become an indicator of how good a friendship we have with Jesus, this powerful prophet indeed. It actually becomes more about us. We, we, we think, well, if we can just know him, then we can secure our eternal future. And we got our fire insurance. It's going to be okay. Or what about this? He's just there to forgive our sins. And which then it kind of only it turns into this behavior modification thing. All of these things that I'm saying are true but they're not the whole story on their own. They're part of a bigger narrative that God is telling. It's a story, friends, where God, right from the very beginning, when man stepped away from him, stepped away from dependence on him in Genesis, where God begins to restore and begins to rebuild a relationship with a view in mind to bring all things back to him again and to install a king back on the throne again. That's the story that we are part of. 
Let's, can we live this story out with integrity? That's what I'm going to get into now in, the last, in these last few minutes. It's so important, friends. Dudley Daniel used to say this. What we get saved into is far more important than what we get saved out of. What we get saved into is far more important than what we get saved out of. And, he, and that was said in the context of the church that you get saved into or the gospel you get saved into. But friends, how much more powerful the story you get saved into. You see, the gospel we hear, the story you get saved into is way more important than what you get saved out of. The reason is, is that God deals with your past. God has already dealt with your past through Jesus on the cross. But the story we get saved into is the story we get to live out empowered by the Spirit, by the power of God, and have a powerful influence on men and women and the context around us. In Jesus' day, friends, they, they, the Jews were trying to live the story out in different ways. The Pharisees tried to live it out by, by, by kind of being strict obedience to the law. If we could just obey the law fully and we could just do all of these things right and we could just understand the scriptures better and we could deal with our sin and our behavior better, then Jesus would return and the story would be completed. The Sadducees said, man, there's no use fighting the Romans. We've got to join them and then we can, we can overcome the Romans by actually joining them. You know, It's like we can come alongside them. The Essenes were those that went into the desert to live by themselves. And the way they said is, no, we've got to separate ourselves completely from the world so that we can live the story of God out. The Zealots, they said, no, 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 the only way this story is going to come to completion is if you go and make it happen and declare war and kill every Roman in sight. You see, friends, all four of them got the story wrong. It wasn't the Jesus story. It wasn't the Jesus story. We're not meant to separate ourselves from the world. We're meant to live in the world, influencing. We don't come with a, with a knife to kill people. We come with love to, change, love to change people. We don't collude with the enemy. We constantly say separate from the world's ways, but we, but we come alongside and we influence people towards something greater. You see, friends, the narrative and the story we are living is so powerful and so important. We've got to understand we're part of a bigger story. Discipleship, friends, is learning to follow Jesus into the story in which he is Lord. Are we living the story? And you see, the problem with all of what I'm saying now, that's why it's so important who we are, not just what we do. Our being is as important as our doing. Unity in the life of a church, unity in the life across churches, across the city, across the people of God is so important because actually the reason why God commands a blessing is because the story that he's telling is one of reconciledness. And as soon as there's disunity in the very people he's trying to tell the story with, you negate the story. You make a mockery of the story. That's why love is such a big ethic of the kingdom of God. That's why the Crusades were such a blight on the story of God. They were zealots going to make it happen. Actually, God said, no, you don't go and kill people to bring them into the story. You love people into the story. That's why, friends, community is such a big part of the story. You see, friends, Jesus did not leave a book behind 
leave, a, leave behind a book in which the good news of the kingdom was to be bound up. Instead, he formed a community and said, now go and live it out and carry that message into all the world so that people can tangibly see how good I am through your life. It means this, friends, if we understand a narrative understanding of the gospel, all of our lives and every part of our lives represents that story, not just a couple of hours on a Sunday. We don't have a business life and a God life. We have a God life that does business God's way. There's no sacred and secular divide because we live a story. Our ethics, our morality, friends, is a display of the story we believe. We're not trying to get people to live moral lives and ethical lives because, wow, man, it just makes it, makes it good to buy in. No, no, no. It's the story we call to tell. It's we do this from the inside out. I so want to please God. I so want to be a display. I'm an oak of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. And the way I talk, the way I think, the way I moralize, the way I do ethics represents that story so that people come and say, who are you? What are, why do you think like that? Why do you live like that? And you can say, because I believe in a God story. God is my king. Jesus is my king king and lastly i want to say this about the story when we start to understand the story we start to understand we're playing a long game we are playing a long game it's a thousand it's millennia old the story friends but to be patient we just play our part we just play our part we do what God's called us to do and we let him knit the thing together from generation to generation to generation to generation. It means we've got to be patient. It means we've got to be prepared to be misunderstood with some of our stances and some of our ethics and some of our morality. It means that we've got to live in suffering love. Friends, it changes the way we live our lives. And, I, and I'm, praying, I'm praying that we catch something here, that it's not just... It's not just something that we, the gospel is not just something we understand and we want and we know it's a good life. Friends, we begin to live the story out by the power of the Spirit, by the blood of Jesus. It begins to transform society. It begins to transform family. It begins to transform marriages. And those marriages become the display of his splendor that he so badly wants to build through our lives. How are we living the story of God? How are we living the story of God? Are we letting at this time the competing stories take preeminence? Are we at this time being reduced to a human story? Are we at this time being reduced to a political story? Friends, we have a story of truth. That's why the scriptures are so important. That's why time and worship is so important. That's why time and prayer is so important. Because in these moments, we separate ourselves from the stories and we find again. That's why taking communion, bread, and the wine is so important. We separate ourselves and we remind ourselves that's the story we're following. We get distracted during the week and in our lives, but we come back to this is the story that we're following. Are we living the story? If we're not, we can't be the rebuilders and restorers. There's a rebuilding story. There's a restoring story. There's a priesting story. There's a ministry story. There is a shepherding and harvesting story that we are part of. 
And my heart, friends, my heart, our heart as an eldership team is not to build a big church, friends. It's to build a group of people that understand the big story and so live big lives in the face of the competing stories by the power of the Spirit of God. Friends, I see they're wanting to cut across the thing and my time is up. Please get onto that, onto that training with Raymond and Keith. It's amazing that they're here today. We didn't actually plan that. Please get onto that because it is so key. It is so key for us to understand it. If you cannot watch it, it will be available to watch later. It is so important that we understand the story you're part of so that we can live this, out, live this life out generously by the power of God. Bless you and have a phenomenal week. Amen.